0: to say a particular welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here and we are delighted that you're joining us here for the first time, whether in person or online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. What we're all about is connecting. It's all about Connecting people to God, connecting people to each other so that together we can engage our word for good. We have to experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. Hope and pray that all y'all had a great Thanksgiving. So much to be thankful for. So many things ahead with Christmas and December ahead. There's really no need to talk anything at all about college football given all the things we have to celebrate and talk about uh, in this time of year. So I uh, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and I uh, look forward to a great Christmas season ahead. In the meantime, we are wrapping up our series called Age to Age. So the last week of the series, we've been doing a flyover of the entire Old Testament in six weeks. And part of the goals of the series, two goals really, one is uh, our understanding of the Old Testament is sort of a chaotic, disorganized closet. You got like Noah and Ark and then David and Goliath, but where does it all fit and how's does it all fit together? We got no idea. And so uh, the goal number one is to organize the Old Testament closet that we might have some understanding of how it all fits together. Because everyone who writes the New Testament loves the Old Testament. And they're building off the Old Testament and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. So that's goal number one. Goal number two is to replace that picture we have, many of us have, of that angry Old Testament God with the same God who is faithful age to age. As we've gone through, I hope and pray that we've sort of tried to demonstrate that the God who shows up in the Old Testament is still writing that same story in the New Testament with. Jesus, and so we see that God is faithful age to age. Now, to help us with this, this is the last week we'll have this. We have these bookmarks strewn all about, again, this week, this is the last week of those, so grab one, two, three, give them away, stocking stuffers, they're great for family and friends, uh, and then we stick up. So this is the whole Old Testament in one bookmark, and across the top is space for you to write down the books of the Bible that either describe this time or were written during this time, and if you're at home, click on the show more section, you can download the bookmark and give it away for stocking stuffers if you want. Now, so week one, we talked about Genesis. Page 12. It's already a hot mess and God says to Abram, through you and your family, all the nations are going to be blessed. I'm going to write a redemption story through this one family and that's going to start on page 12 of the Bible and it goes all the way to the very end of the Bible. That's Genesis. Now, skip ahead of the last few weeks and uh, we got to all these other things, right? all these other books of the Bible written and kind of describing these other periods of time. And then you get to this north-south split right there in the middle where Israel is the northern kingdom and Judah is the southern kingdom. right? And they have a civil war. The southern kingdom called judah that's where jerusalem is they have a few more faithful kings and they last a little bit longer the northern kingdom israel has zero faithful kings and they fall first now at the bottom you can see the dates when they fall samaria was the capital of israel in the north they fall there in 722 and then uh, 150 years later or so the destruction of the temple the fall of jerusalem and judah also falls. So the Old Testament sort of now goes into this period called the exile, which pretty much covers all the rest of the Old Testament. And during the exile and during this sort of pretty dark time, you get all, all the rest of the New Testament on the Old Testament books are written during this time. You've got great stories like Daniel. Remember Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in Babylon because they've been carried off in exile, right? You also have Esther, who's during the, uh, um, the, uh, Assyria, the Assyrian Empire, uh, the uh, the Persian Empire, I'm sorry, the Persian Empire is when uh, Esther's happening. So you've got these different stories, uh, Nehemiah as well as Ezra start to rebuild portions of Jerusalem and the temple and, the, and the, the wall around Jerusalem as well. So a lot of good things are happening during this period of time, and God continues to be faithful as well, sending uh, other sort of... Um, Prophets like Ezekiel and Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, these are all prophets, very, very end of the Old Testament, okay? So this is the last of these slides. If you capture these down, this will be like about 90% of the books of the Bible. So uh, if you uh, don't have time, if you're at home, you can push pause right now and just write these down. If you uh, don't have time to write all these down, you can always go back online to our YouTube channel and watch these and look at these and write it down and you'll be, you'll have this whole thing. Now, we're going we're to talk a little bit about today. The passage we're talking about today talks about what hope is there. Because the Old Testament ends with Israel as an overrun nation. They're in a hard, hard spot. And so the question is this. Are God's promises still alive, still active, still applicable, even as the people are an overrun, conquered nation? And here's why that matters so much to you and to me right here, right now, today. You're going to have hard seasons of your life. You're going to have difficult seasons of your life. And during those hard and difficult seasons of your life, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make decisions to try to manage those hard and difficult times. And the the goal of those decisions is often to either get through it as fast as possible. Can I make things better? Can I fix this? Or can I at least make myself feel better? Because I feel overwhelmed and swamped and anxious or sad, whatever. You're going to try to find ways to medicate or deal with your difficult times. And some of us look back on some of the worst decisions we've made in our lives and say, I made a bad decision because I was under so much stress. It was so hard. Here's what we do when we're in hard times. When we're in hard times, we make decisions to try to make things better. You're going to trust some set of promises, hoping that it's going to either make that time shorter or help you get through that time more difficult. So you're going to either act on or, and or believe some set of promises. If I just do this thing, it's going to make me feel better or help me get through this hard time more quickly. And what the scriptures invite us to do, especially in those dark and hard moments, is that you can trust the promises of God to write his redemption story. Even and especially when you're in the most difficult seasons of your life, the scriptures call us, even when it's hard, even when there's so many other things you would rather be doing, to sow seeds into God's promises that He's faithful to you, His promises are still alive and active, even when things are at their darkest and hardest. That's the invitation from the scriptures. And it's a thing that Isaiah is calling the people of Israel and Judah to do as he writes his prophecy, his vision of what the Lord's going to do, even though things are going to get really, really hard. Isaiah 11:1 1 opens with this beautiful promise, but also has some sadness to it, that a stump will come up from the, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, sorry. This is a beautiful picture, right? A beautiful picture of a, of a beautiful shoot coming up out of a stump, right? There's a, a nice picture, right? That's lovely and Beautiful, but here's the question. How did the stump get there to begin with? It was a big, beautiful tree. And then it got chopped down. Right? My friends, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had something that looked big and beautiful that got chopped down before? Dreams? Hopes? A future that you thought was going to look like something that was going to be big and beautiful that then turned out sideways? Went wrong? That's where Israel and Judah are as the Old Testament ends. And The the stump of Jesse, the the words Jesse there, Jesse is David's dad. So David was the greatest king in all of Israel, and God promised that through him, he was gonna bless all people through this line of kings in David's life. So basically, the line of kings has been chopped down. They are no longer spiritually vibrant. They're empty, they've worshiped other gods. And they look like they're dead, spiritually dead. Israel's gonna look dead, Judah's gonna look dead. And yet God says, my promises remain. I'm not done with you yet. Isn't that good news, that God's not done with us yet? That even when things feel mowed over, chopped down there's this beautiful promise that god's like gonna write a redemption story in this place this new man this new king is gonna come and here's what this new king is gonna look like It says this that from his roots a branch will bear fruit the spirit of the lord will rest on him and this will not be the last time in the scriptures where the spirit and fruitfulness are gonna go together is it a great little combination spirit fruitful life there's this promise that a new king's going to come along. A new king from, from this line of failed kings that's going to be different from the old kings. And there's all these promises that the spirit of the Lord is going to rest on him and he'll be a, have a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of might, a spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That word delight means like ongoing delighting. He will continuously and continually delight in the Lord. And have any of you been in a place where the wrong person was in charge? I mean, not you, of course. You're always the right person to be in charge, right? But have you ever been in a place, right, where the wrong person got the promotion into the management, or you know, maybe you were in a school and the person was teaching that really had no business, didn't know anything about the, the, the thing, or the principal was terrible, or maybe you have a, a nonprofit that you love and you realize it's been mismanaged, and the wrong person is leading, right? Have you ever had the wrong person in charge? Now, sometimes when the wrong person moves on, there's hope. Maybe the new person will be different. Maybe it'll be better because the new person's coming along. But sometimes the new boss is the same as the old boss. And sometimes the problem of, of Israel is this: how do they know that the new king's gonna be any better than the old kings? There's been a whole bunch of bad kings in Israel's history. So how they how do we know it's gonna be any different? Well, because the spirit will rest on him. And because his delight will be in the ongoing, reverent worship of the Lord. The line of kings is a stump. They've, they've failed due to their own idolatry. But there will be a new king that comes who is faithful to God and is full of the Spirit and is devoted and delights, ongoing delight, in the Lord, his God. And so, my friends, if you're here this morning and any part of your life feels stumpy, any part of your life feels like it's not running the way you hoped it would. That things have been mowed over or mowed down. Even and especially, and there's a number of reasons why you can get stumpy, right? Sometimes things outside of your control, right? Medical situations, things happening around the world that you have no control over, that just are breaking your heart or ending your dreams. But sometimes our lives are stumpy because we've been chasing after the wrong dreams. Trusting the wrong promises. Chasing after even the wrong God. So what do you do when your life is stumpy. Well, first, if you're here this morning and some part of your life feels stumpy, I've got really, really good news. God's promises are still active, God's promises remain. And the invitation is to sow seeds of your life into God's promises rather than sowing seeds into other promises and other fields, hoping they'll bear good fruit. And so the invitation is to follow in the line of the kings. How is God going to redeem the line of the kings? Well, someone's going to come up that's only going to delight in the Lord, his God. And so how do you redeem a stump in your own life? Well, the first the place where you start is, it starts with putting aside all other things, all other gods. Putting God first. Cultivating a delight in the Lord. And asking for fresh work of the spirit, right? Because the spirit of the Lord is going to fall on this new king. It's going to redeem everything. because this king is going to be faithful where other kings have failed. And where other kings have chased after idols and other gods, this king is going to be fully devoted, single-heartedly given over to the Lord his God. That's how Israel is going to be redeemed. That's how you are going to be redeemed. God's promises remain. He is faithful. He is good. Sink your life roots into God's promises. Cultivate. Disentangle yourself from other gods. Disentangle yourself from other things you're chasing after and pursuing. Put God first. And cultivate a delight in the Lord and ask for a fresh work of the spirit. Now I'm using the word cultivate intentionally. Because for some of us, going hard after God, not our natural gear. Right? For some of us, going hard after God, not your, not your most natural gear. Totally get that. You don't come in here like on the edge of your seat, full-throated worship. I can't wait to see how God's going to meet me today. You're like, I'm showing up, I'm doing the best I can. So glad you're here. And for some of us, man, that that delight in the Lord, hungry for God, is not how you describe your life. But for some of us, the place where hunger for God starts is crisis, right? And for some of you, I'm here to tell you, the fate of the rest of your life depends on you finding that gear. The fate of the rest of your life, today, for some of you, hangs on you cultivating a hunger for God. Prayer, scripture, worship. Community of friends praying for you, caring for you, helping you process at deeper and deeper levels. Because the way that stumps get redeemed in the scripture is that we go hard after God. I want to invite you. Hey, listen, if you've got a part of your life that feels stumpy today, you're in the right place. So glad you're here. My hope and my prayer across Chatham Community Church, because all of us have points in our lives that feel stumpy. Like seasons of our lives that feel hard or or remote over. My hope and my prayer is there will be all kinds of beautiful new shoot stories that shoot up across Chatham Community Church, right? All kinds of redemption stories where God's doing new things. We already have those stories. The stories all around you are all kinds of stories of people's lives. Whose lives felt mowed over at some point, some period of their life, some part of their life, some area of their life that really mattered to them. And God's done something new. Because his promises remain even when we feel stumpy and overrun. And the way that we invest in those promises is we put everything else second. And we say, I'm going to give myself. I'm going to cultivate a delight in the Lord." My God, that's how Israel's story is going to be redeemed. That's how your story is going to be redeemed. That's the part we play in entering into that redemption story. But as Isaiah has this vision of what God's going to do with this new line of kings, it's not just spiritual. It's not just his heart's devoted to God, actually. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a concrete, earthly, very earthy outworking of what comes next. And it's all about justice and, ri- and writing injustice. Here's the rest of Isaiah. Well, starting in verse 3, says this new king will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. In other words, the bold, the beautiful aren't going to get away with anything just because they're polished. Just because they look good and sound good and are clever, they're not going to get away with anything. He will judge with righteousness. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. One of the most common complaints about the God of the Old Testament is he sounds really judgy, right? Judgy. Like there's nothing worse in America in the 21st century than to be judgy. Don't be a judgy person, right? That's like a, it's not a bad thing, right, to, to sort of beware the way we pass judgments on other people, right? That's not always healthy. But one of the things that people don't like about Scripture, the God of the Old Testament especially, is he sounds kind of judgy. And I kind of didn't like that about the God of the Old Testament myself for a long, long time. And then I read a commentary, a, a, an article by a theologian who I believe was from Central or South America. And here's what this this guy said. This guy said, the people that don't like God as a judge are usually in the West, and they usually are in very functional legal systems where things work reasonably well. He said, the rest of the world, two-thirds of the world, don't have a reliable judge, and they can't wait to find one. The rest of the world lives in a place where they can't bring in justice to a judge because the judge has already paid off. They've already been bribed. Everything is so corrupted. They have no hope for righting any wrongs in their lives. And when they hear about a finally a good judge that will give justice, it brings joy to their hearts. And so he said, I plead with my brothers and sisters in the West to rejoice with the rest of the world that God is a good judge because so many of us will never see justice in our lifetimes. Israel is a corrupt place. Judah is a corrupt place. The poor are being exploited. And so part of the vision of what this new king is going to do to break, to make things right and new, he will be a good and faithful judge who will finally bring justice to a broken and weary world. It's going to have earthy concrete outworkings in the midst of a broken and weary world where injustice is rampant. And so as we are writing and participating in our own stories of redemption. Here's the next step. So first step was this. Start with putting aside all else. Your redemption story starts with cultivating delight in the Lord and asking for a new work of the Spirit. But the second work is this. What is the next right-making work you can do? That's what the new king's going to do, right? The new king of Israel is going to step into a broken justice system and bring justice. Make things right. That's part of him participating in the redemption story of God. You, as you turn your eyes to the Lord, as you cultivate a delight in God, as you ask for a fresh work of the Spirit in your life, there are going to be next things you can do to make things right that match pitch with God's heart with the world. What is it for you? In Israel, it was bringing justice. For you, it might mean full confession of something you've done wrong, even though it might be really embarrassing, even though it might be really hard, making full confession. For some of you, it might be making amends, repairing things that you have broken. For some of you, it might mean going back to your business partner and saying, we got to renegotiate this deal, we got to reopen this deal. I lied, I fabricated, I massaged the numbers, I did whatever. I'm going to come right, I'm going to come straight. i got to be honest with you, here's what happened. For some of you, it's waking up to the fact that you are really selfish and you need to go serve somewhere, anywhere, to get you outside yourself. For some of you, the opposite is true. You are so stretched thin and so serving all everyone out there that the people right in front of you, you haven't served them and you've neglected them and you need to tend to the people right in front of you. For some of you, you need to have that really hard conversation that you've been working around and avoiding for years, maybe decades, to go make things right. For some of you, really, the next concrete thing you need to do is come to worship. Step into church, step into community. Put yourself in places where you can grow, where you can enter in, where you can mature, where you can step to invest in your spiritual life in such a way that you know the Lord your God and can follow him wherever he might lead you. Put everything else secondary. We cultivate a delight in the Lord. We seek for a fresh filling of the Spirit. And then we act. What is the next right-making thing that you can do in your orbit, in your sphere, that matches pitch with God's heart and God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven? That's how Israel and Judah are going to be redeemed by this new king. That's how the redemption story gets written in your life and my life as well. Now, as beautiful as all that is, Isaiah doesn't stop there. Isaiah, sort of Isaiah and all the prophets are upset about two things, injustice and idolatry. Like wrong worship. And wrong action among the people. So this king's going to fix both those things, right? He's going to worship God. He's going to make things right in the world. Now, though, so that all matches pitch with the, with the prophets. But Isaiah pivots to this entirely new piece that isn't a part of any of the covenants that we have with either Abram or David. So it stands out a little bit. Here's what Isaiah talks about: with all of the human, all of this human agency actually blesses the created order. Here's Isaiah 11, starting in verse six. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling, all together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. My small group wanted to see that. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand to the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains. So this isn't just the king worshiping God rightly, or even bringing justice. To an unjust system. This is the king actually making everything so right, it actually repairs all of creation, all the created order. Everything's made beautiful and right because of this new king who has power over nature, even. I've been totally nerding out this whole series about all this stuff. It's been super fun. I love the Old Testament. I love how it connects with the New Testament. And I was listening to a podcast where someone talked about how the promise that we looked at to Abram back in Genesis 12, that we looked at week one, was actually the fulfillment and just the reiteration of what God said to Adam on page one of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. So Genesis chapter one, God creates Adam and Eve. And here's what it it says, that God created mankind in his own image. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule or have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, every living creature that moves on the ground. So God creates everything beautiful. All of nature works perfectly. Makes Adam and Eve in his image and says, I'm giving you authority to be over this place. Including all the birds of the air, all the animals. You have authority even over nature. And what Adam and Eve do with their authority is they give it to the serpent. That's what they do with that authority. And everything falls apart. Adam and Eve blame each other. They hide from each other. They have two boys. One of them kills the other. The whole thing is a hot mess for the rest of the Old Testament, right? And the rest of of history, basically. And then you go 12 chapters later to God's covenant with Abram. And here's what God says to Abram that's very resonant with what he just said to Adam. Like, all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. And then in Genesis 17, God appears to Abram again and says, I'm going to make you very fruitful, I'll make nations of you and kings will come from you. So there's the promise to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. The blessing on Adam, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then God says to Abram, you are going to do these things. Exactly what I blessed Adam to do. You and your family are going to be fruitful. Right? Be fruitful and multiply, I'm going to make you fruitful. I'm going to make you to be a blessing. And so, and so the whole promise through Abram and to David are the restoration of relationship with God. Relationship with human beings. But nowhere is, is dominion or authority over nature included in the promise to Abram or the promise to David. Until we get to here, Isaiah 11, where suddenly you got all these animals hanging out together. Snuggling up as if they're buddies. And this is, this is not, not in any of the promises to Abram or to David. But you know what it sounds a whole lot like? It looks and sounds a whole lot like Eden. Doesn't it? This whole nature thing. Finally working together again. This whole nature thing that's gone so sideways. That is the enemy of so many people, right? Like so, many, so much pain and heartache is inflicted upon us by mother nature. But man, now it's finally restored. It's finally made right. There's a new king coming who's got so much authority that he's going to restore even nature to the way God intended it. In the very beginning, in Genesis 1. Just like Eden. So Isaiah 11 has this beautiful prophecy and promise of a new king whose dominion and fixing of things is going to be so sweeping, it's even going to include nature. And then fast forward about 600 years later, and there's a new king who is born. This great star tells people kind of, hey, the king is born. And on, on his sort of opening act of his public ministry, here's what he does. He gets baptized. And when he's coming up out of the water, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit rests on him. Just like Isaiah 11 said, there's going to be a new king that was full of the Spirit. The Spirit was going to rest on him. And then this new king not only has authority to speak like no one else, he heals bodies, he proclaims forgiveness of sins, all these things about God and humans that are happening. This new king even shows us a little bit of what it looks like to have authority over nature. In fact, there's a big storm, he's on a boat, he wakes up, he rebukes the wind, to the waves and wind, be quiet, be still. Everything dies down, it's completely calm. Who is this, the disciples say. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know who this is. This is the second Adam. Come to restore Eden. Even nature is going to respond to his commands. This is what God intended. To make all things new. Make all things right. So that nature and humans are no longer at odds. And nature is no longer at odds with itself. But it brings synthesis. Sort of unity. Shalom. Peace. Peace between these things that I've warred in the past. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is gonna talk about how God can't wait to redeem all of human beings and nature can't wait for human beings to be redeemed. In fact, here's how, here's how Paul talks about it in Romans 8. Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the same freedom and glory of the children of God. Redeemed human beings will lead the way for all of nature to be redeemed as well. When God redeems all of humanity, all of nature will follow behind. God so loved the world, the world, not just the people in the world, the world he created. He can't wait to redeem the whole thing. And creation is groaning in eager expectation for all the human beings that are going to be redeemed because we're going to bring all the rest of Mother Nature with us. And so in Isaiah 11, you got this crazy picture. Wolf and lamb and lion all hanging out together. Even the den of the vipers, right? Even the cobra's den. The serpent, which has been human beings' enemies from like page three of the Bible. Even they are going to be placated and quieted because the king has been revealed. How's all this happening? How's all this going to be? How's it all this even going to make sense? How's it all going to fit together? This beautiful picture of redemption between God and humans, humans and each other with justice and righteousness, and then even the created order. Here's how it's going to happen. Isaiah has this included in his beautiful vision. Because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea. And that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will all rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious two beautiful images here first you've got the mighty king lifted up and all the nations rallying to him all the peoples rallying to him just like god promised abram through you all the peoples all the nations are going to be blessed that's exactly what this prophecy is through jesus all people are going to be blessed my friends i got some bad news for you you're late for worship some of you are always late i mean really for worship but all of us are late for worship Every Sunday, because you know why? Every Sunday on the other side of the globe, worship already started. People speaking different languages. Different cultures, reading the same scriptures in different languages. Praying to the same Lord, the same God in different languages, but to the same Lord Jesus. And you know what happens about every 30 minutes, all day Sunday, all over the globe? Another language, another culture comes online. Another language, another culture comes online. A relay race of worship and celebration in the resurrected King. Every 30 minutes, all Sunday long. When you and I show up, it's all, the party's already started and we're late. Because Jesus is Lord over all the nations. And because all the peoples have already rallied around him, just like Isaiah promised and prophesied, they would. And so we rejoice with our brothers and sisters all over the globe. There is one king of kings, one Lord of lords. And we are a small little part in this great relay race of worship and praise. That we take our small little part, our little, our little English-speaking part, just one small part of the bigger thing God's doing all over the globe because the nations have already rallied around him and because he's already touched more lives and more cultures and more places than any other movement or any other human being in human history and so we say bless the lord who reigns and rules on high he is king of kings and lord of lords over all the nations and all the nations have already rallied around him isaiah says that his resting place will be glorious now the earliest readers of this would think about Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus blows this whole thing up, right? Jesus blows this whole thing up and says, hey, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm with them. I'm right here. You know, so Jesus' resting place, you know where that is? Right here at Chatham Community Church. Welcome, Jesus. You're glorious here. Wherever two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, all over the globe, churches all over the globe, you know where Jesus' resting place is, where the Lord's resting place is? Right here, right now. You know what we do? We just receive it and worship it and delight in it and let it change, let it change us, right? The resting place of the Lord. God's not far off. He is not far off. He's right here among us. His resting place is glorious. And Isaiah declares that one day that resting place will fill the whole earth. In fact, he says, the the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea. I want you to pause for a minute. I want you to pause. I want you to think about what would it look like for the whole world to be soaked in the delight and the love of a God who is love. Wouldn't that be amazing? What you think about the family or friends you were together with this Thanksgiving, no matter how functional or dysfunctional, wouldn't it be beautiful if they were redeemed, if they were filled with the knowledge of the Lord like waters cover the sea? Can you imagine your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, your middle school, your high school, your college? Can you imagine those campuses, those places, those buildings, everyone you're working with online filled with the knowledge of the love of God like the waters cover the sea? Can you imagine your HOA? Can you imagine all of Chatham County, all of Pittsburgh, all of Chapel Hill, all of Durham, all of Orange County, all of Wake County, all of Apex, even Raleigh, even Cary for crying out loud. Filled. Filled. With the knowledge of God's holiness, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, his love, like the waters cover the sea. That love and that that grace, that mercy, that power, reorganizing and reorienting every part of the politics and the relationships and the justice and injustice. Everything wrong made right. The old order of things passing away. No more mourning, no more crying, no more cycles of poverty, no more cycles of abuse, no more affairs. No more of any of those things that hijack and corrupt this beautiful and broken world, but making it all beautiful because it's filled with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that? One day, all shall be well, my friends. One day, he will come and make everything new. And in the meantime, you know what he's doing? He's writing little redemption stories that look like this in lives all across his community. Every time someone comes in here far from God and meets God or re-meets God for the first time, a little taste of God's redemptive story when the whole world will know God like waters cover the sea. Every marriage that comes in here barely hanging on by a thread, and that happens in here regularly, marriages barely hanging by a thread that are actually propped up and invested in and the spirit moves and heals wounds and repairs things that are broken, that's a little taste of God's redemptive story breaking in that will one day be the full of the whole thing like the waters cover the sea. Every anxious person, every lonely person that comes in here is quieted by God's grace, meets community. Little taste of redemption story being written in these lives Like that will one day be the whole story, like waters cover the sea. Over and over again, in small little ways, this redemption story is breaking in. It's breaking in. It's breaking in. Right here in our little community, the redemption story is being written. And we say yes and amen to more of it happening here in our lives. And we say yes and amen to more of it happening out there, Right? Our friends, our neighbors, our family members that do not know this redemption story, that do not know this king, that don't want anything to do with this king. We want to bless them anyway. God wants to redeem them and write his redemption story in them. That they too, even those who are resistant to grace and mercy and love, might be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Like the waters cover the sea, that God might write their redemption story in with his larger redemption story. That's our prayer for everyone in here, everyone out there, and for the whole earth. That all peoples might be filled with the knowledge of God's grace and mercy and love like waters cover the sea because his promises are good and his intent his character is wonderful and he is worthy of all praise and honor and rejoicing and we delight in the god who is faithful to his people even when they're not faithful to him he's the one who's faithful age to age. As we close this series, here's the good news for us and for the whole people of Israel and all people all over the globe, that even as the Old Testament closes in exile, God will fulfill his promises to write a redemption story. Here's the good news, my friends. God's promises remain even when things are hard, even when things are bleak. God's promises are still alive and active and in play. And the call from the scriptures is to invest in those promises. Invest your heart, invest your life, invite, invest your spirit to sow seeds into God's promises and trust that they will bear good fruit. How do we do that? Well, one thing we do is we, we demote and disentangle anything else we're tangled up with. We put God first. We cultivate A delight an ongoing delighting in the lord for some of you that's a natural gear for some of you that's the furthest from the natural gear you've got but for some of you the future of the rest of your life hangs on are you willing to find this gear are you willing to cultivate an ongoing delight in the lord and ask the good father who loves to give the holy spirit for a new work of the spirit in you for whatever work needs to be written maybe to redeem places of your life that feel kind of stumpy right now one we seek the lord with all our heart soul mind and strength and then two what's the next right-making work that you can do, right? As we ask God, as we seek after God, there's a spiritual work, but there's also a very earthy, very tangible work. Some of you need to do some work to repair some things. Some of you have authority to do some things, to fix some things, to repair some things, to have hard hard conversations and some hard relationships to repair things, to make things right, to confess some things, to come clean about some things, to have those hard conversations, to do whatever that next right-making work is. Maybe it's with you in worship, in church, just connecting or reconnecting. With the community of believers who are inviting you to follow this god next the final redemption because this has not been a part of the old testament story at all that we've talked about will include all the redeemed bringing peace to all the newly created order those of you who are nature lovers, right? Those of you who love nature, this is such a great promise, right? The great promise that God has not forgotten the bunny rabbits that are so cute, or the kittens that are so cute, or the trees that you love, God's not forgotten. All of it, all of it, all of it is the Lord's. Every square inch of this place is the Lord's, and he will redeem every square inch of it and make all of it new. Beautiful. And you know who's gonna lead the charge? You and me. As f- as fumbling as we are. The redeemed people of God are going to lead the charge for the redemption of all, the, of all things behind us. And that is a beautiful, wonderful picture, finally. The nations already have and will rally around the Lord Jesus who is lifted up. And so we say yes and amen to the the worship of God happening all over the globe. And we say yes and amen to more of that happening here as well for more of God's redemption story being written in our lives and in the lives of the people all around us. Because God is faithful age to age. His promises are alive and active right here, right now over you. And as we head into December and the Christmas season, my hope and my prayer for every single one of you and all of our friends and neighbors that no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what challenges or setbacks or stumpy things are happening in our lives, we might be willing to turn our hearts and our minds and our spirits to the coming king who has come to write his redemptive story in your life, in my life. Joy to the whole world. The Lord is coming. He has come. He has come to make everything new. His promises remain May you and I have the courage, the confidence, and the faith, Take small little steps of trusting that this God is faithful and will deliver age to age, including you and me, right here, right now, today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being so faithful age to age. Thank you for being good age to age. I pray for my friends who are here today whose lives feel stumpy in some really key area of their lives. They feel the heartbreak. The loss, the hurt of something that hasn't gone well, they feel mowed over. Some of them through no fault of their own, just life has dealt them a bad deal. Some of them through their own fault. They've made bad decisions. Holy Spirit, we sing out over all people, but especially those who are in that place. The promises of God are still alive and available to all people, especially those who lives, whose lives feel stumpy, mowed over, chopped down in some ways to perform. Lord God, would you help us to cultivate delighting in you. Lord, some of us, that comes naturally. For some of us, we've cultivated that already. But for some of us, that feels so far from who we are. Oh, Lord God, would you help us to find that gear, to cultivate that gear, that we might be hungry for more of the reigning king, the grace, the mercy, the love, the righteousness, the holiness of God, that all these things might make our hearts sing, make our hearts to sing. And would you give us courage to make the next faithful, earthy step we got to make. Lord, we declare that your Lord is going to redeem all of this creation. We look forward to that day. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would lift you up. And that all peoples in our community and beyond would rally to you, the resurrected king. We worship you. And we praise you and we thank you for writing your redemption stories already in our little community. Would you continue to write more and more of those redemption stories in our hearts and our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' strong mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen.